grown common because when you hear that anointing and hear that certain sound, there's something about it that lifts up your heart. Amen. Gives you that courage to go on. How many times has he blessed us and encouraged us and preached to us? Amen. We love you, Brother Alviar. You're loved here at this place and this church and this local church and this count meeting. Is that right? Amen. A man that loves truth and loves the message. Amen. Come and just obey the Holy Ghost. We're delighted and honored to have you and your family here with us in this count meeting. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody say God bless him. Thank you, Brother Holmes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Lift your hands one more time and ask the Lord to help us. Lord Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. say once again what a treat it is to be here at uh, camp meeting at Little Rock again this year. See this beautiful, beautiful assembly of people gathered in here. Such a wonderful crowd assembled to come and worship God and hear the word of the Lord. And uh, speak so well of what this church presented down through the years, and I'm very, very thankful to have been able to be a little part of it along the way from time to time, and so honored that Brother Holmes would again ask me to come and be a part of it again this year, <coughs> and uh, I am thankful for the preaching of the Word of God that I have already heard. It has blessed me, it has inspired me, it has challenged me convicted me and I'm glad that we are not in competition with one another but we are here simply to strengthen one another I believe we need one another in this hour and I'm thankful that God has such gifted, capable, as well as anointed men of God to help us in the hour in which we are living. Amen. And so I am thankful to be in their company. I appreciate what we just heard a few moments ago through Brother White has always, has always blessed me so much. And uh, I don't know what Brother Holmes has against me to put me together in the same night with such a mighty ministry, but uh, again, we are not in competition with each other, and I am here to deliver my heart tonight. Praise the Lord. And if I can say this and make it come out right, if there has ever been a time that I want to do well preaching, it is right now, tonight, in this service. And it's not because I want a pat on the back. Amen. But it is because uh, the 
subject matter is so hallowed that I don't even want to touch it if God isn't going to help me tonight. Amen. And I would love for it some way, somehow, to touch the life of every person that's in this building, from the ministry to the saints to the visitors. Praise the Lord. Did you come to hear from God tonight? I have felt this message on my heart for a long time. I have never preached it anywhere, not even at home. And that's a dangerous thing to do. But I have been struggling with it within anyway for a long time and uh, really I tried to see if the Lord would just let me go a different direction because this is a little different than I've preached here before I think but if you'll turn with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 book of Hebrews tell you that these indeed are some of my most favorite verses in all of the Bible. But I don't, I think it's been a very long time since I have used them for a text. But in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning uh, with verse number 19, and by the way, before we start reading, let me say how good it is to have my family here as well as my uncle, Brother Raul Alvear, his son, Brother Raul Jr., no strangers to most of you here tonight, and also to have another cousin of mine who has seldom ever been in the States, Brother Jess and Alvear, pastoring the church in Brazil also, is visiting with us this evening, so we've got plenty of reinforcements as far as Alvear's go tonight. But it's good to have them with us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I'm directing your attention to a little three-word phrase from the 20th verse for my subject tonight, through the veil. one more time and ask the Lord to help us. God. Lord, I feel so inadequate, so insufficient tonight, God. You're going to have to help me. If you will help me some way, somehow, to convey something, Lord, to the hearts and minds of your people tonight. Oh, God, would you just let there be a direct connection from this imperfect vessel to your omnipotence and omniscience tonight, God, and let your word somehow flow through me, I pray. 
in Jesus' name. Come on, let's reach for him a little bit more. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God, I need you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds tonight. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me just very quickly by way of review because I'm sure that you know much of this. And there is no way that I am going to try to teach the tabernacle plan this evening, but simply remind you that in the tabernacle plan that was given to Moses, that uh, there were three distinct areas or divisions within this plan. There was for, first of all, the outer court, which included the brazen altar and the brazen labor. And then when you entered within the tabernacle itself into what the Bible calls the holy place, then there was the golden candlesticks and the table of shewbread and uh, the altar of incense. Then there was another chamber within that tabernacle. It was the Holy of Holies, wherein was the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred, the most revered, the most hallowed of all of the instruments and furnishings that uh, had been uh, given to Moses by God. And between these two inner chambers, the holy place and the holy of holies, hung the veil. The veil was made of fine linen. It was in color uh, blue and purple and crimson. It was also decorated uh, with images, I suppose, of cherubims that were embroidered on this veil. No doubt it was quite an impressive fabric that hung there. This veil served a threefold purpose. It was a divider. It was also a screen that hid what was behind it. And it was also used as a covering. Because you see, as Brother White has already mentioned tonight, when it was time to move the tabernacle from one place to another as they would begin to take all of this down and pack it away for travel. Uh, the eyes of the general populace never got to see the Ark of the Covenant. It was always hidden from their view because even when they were in transit, it was not open to their eyes. Instead, as they took the tabernacle down, the Kohathites, Brother White mentioned, would go in there and only at that time were they allowed to do this. They would remove the veil and then they would cover the Ark of the Covenant with the veil and wrap it completely up. And there were other coverings that went over the top of that so that it was hidden from human eyes. It was always beneath the veil. 
always behind the veil. Thus this veil became symbolic, became symbolic of what sin had wrought, which was separation from God. Not just separation from God is indicated by the veil, but deprivation because separation kept man from the most wonderful blessings that God had in store for him because he could not physically and personally and intimately approach himself to that sacred place, the mercy seat upon the Ark of the Covenant. Man, therefore, was unable to experience or even to look upon the glory of God and the blessings that he so desired to share with his people. I hope you'll bear with me here for just a little bit. Amen. In order to do so, man had to be able to go through the veil. Amen. But there was only one man who was qualified and appointed to do this. And at that only one day out of the year, and I know that you know this, but the high priest alone, amen, was permitted and only on the day of atonement, having gone through very exact and rigid preparations, would he then be capable, amen, to push past the veil and enter into the Holy of Holies. I can assure you tonight that even though he had done everything just right, that as his hand would reach out and begin to part the veil and step inside, it wouldn't matter what his age or seniority, what the respect of the people was toward him, that his heart would be beating a hundred miles an hour as he was getting ready to step into the white-hot presence of the Almighty God and present the blood before the mercy seat. Amen. I'm sure that there were many, many people in those days that fantasized about what it might be like to step behind the veil, to actually be able to go through the veil. Maybe they wondered, maybe they pondered, maybe there was a way that if you looked just right through the opening in the gate of the outer court and looked through the opening of the tabernacle, maybe you could catch a glimpse, amen, some way, somehow, of the veil, but they certainly could not see what was behind there. It was it was removed from their access. They could not get to it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I could go on and on with that, but I want to I want to just leapfrog through time and and uh, go forward many, many years and talk about our great high priest who was none other than Jesus Christ. Amen. He did not come, the Bible said, in the form of angels, but he took on him the likeness of sinful flesh. There is a reason why he took on himself the likeness of sinful flesh. And the reason is partly given to us in the text that I read to you tonight. The Bible said the way that he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Let me tell you something, amen, the flesh of Jesus Christ was, amen, the physical representation of the veil of the tabernacle. 
Remember the colors. It was blue. It was crimson. And it was purple. Amen. Blue signified divinity. Amen. This man, Christ Jesus, was more than just the offspring. Amen. Of mankind. This was God manifest in the flesh. This was more than just the second person in the blessed trinity. This was the mighty God. Amen. That had stepped down to this earth. Amen. The blue of divinity. There was the red or the crimson which represents redemption. And brother and sister, when you put blue and red together, you have the purple of royalty. This was the king of kings and the Lord of lords represented in the physical form of Jesus Christ. Amen. The reason he took on the likeness of sinful flesh, it was for one reason, the Bible said, to condemn sin in the flesh. God wrapped himself up in that veil and stepped down to this earth I'm going to deal with this veil once and for all. I'm going to take care of this problem with the veil once and for all. I am going to remove the impedance, the hindrance of the veil once and for all. The reason, the source, amen, the cause of the separation was about to be dealt with. You may be seated, amen, because that he was wrapped in this veil. Amen. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Because you see they could not see past the veil. All they could see was the external. All they could see was the exterior. They attached no spiritual significance to this Nazarene, to this son of Mary and Joseph because the real glory was hid behind the veil. Praise the Lord. And it concealed what was within. But the veil problem, the veil was going to be dealt with. This was why Jesus came. Amen. And when the time came, not a day sooner, but when the time came, he yielded himself up and wicked and cruel and violent. Amen. And rude hands reached out and took hold of him and began to abuse and began to mistreat him. Amen. And they began to afflict him. And as you read, amen, the events of Calvary. Oh, bear with me tonight. As you read the events of Calvary, it just seems as though the pent-up rage and frustration of 4,000 years of man's separation from God was being concentrated and focused upon that man, Christ Jesus. It was as though without knowing, Brother Lambeth, amen, they were smiting, they were gripping, they were tearing, they were trying to rip the veil. The veil was his flesh as they smote him, as that Roman soldier took that whip and began to lay it on his back, and his flesh was ripped and torn, and it hung in bloody ribbons of flesh. It was as though man was trying to get through the veil, 
going on. Are you hearing me tonight? The Bible said we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. But it wasn't for himself. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. But it wasn't just man trying to tear his way through the veil. Amen. From the other side of the veil. Amen. The hands of Almighty God were reaching toward man. Amen. From the other side of the veil. Isaiah went on to say, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief. Amen. On the one side, God trying to reach to man. On the other side, man trying to reach to God. But the veil was in the way. Amen. But they smote him. They beat him. They struck him with a rod. Then they stretched him out and pounded the nails into his hands and feet. Then they lifted the veil up between, amen, heaven and earth. Amen. They didn't know what they were doing. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But finally, the veil had had enough. The veil had been sufficiently afflicted and mauled and torn and beaten and ripped so that finally as his life's blood ebbs out, amen, is pouring down the cross, seeping into the ground, Jesus, hallelujah, lifted up his voice and cried, yeah! temple over in the temple this was not the day of atonement this was the time of the Passover this was not the time for the high priest to go past the veil amen they weren't ready for that they weren't equipped for that they weren't qualified for that but over in the temple while the priests are moving around in the holy place they could go in there day after day or they certainly did amen during this time Amen. Suddenly there was an awesome, amen, and fearsome noise. And they turned around and looked. Amen. And that veil that had always separated man from God began to tear from top to bottom. Let me tell you what was happening. God was standing there and he had a hold of the veil. Amen. The real veil had just been rent at Calvary. This was just a symbolic veil. As God ripped it and ripped it apart. And suddenly before their eyes was open the holy place. I don't know what they did, but I can see priests running out of there thinking at any moment God is going to strike them dead. But what they didn't understand is at that moment, amen, a harlot could have walked in off the street and walked right down through that tabernacle, that temple, and walked into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. 
which he hath consecrated for us through, through the veil. Aren't you glad he consecrated a new way? Aren't you glad you didn't have to offer sacrifices when you came to church tonight? You didn't have to bring your goats. You didn't have to bring your lambs. You didn't have to bring your doves. You didn't have to bring your oxen. Amen. But I've already been to the water. And I've already been baptized. I've already been converted. And I feel, I feel all right. I've got good news for somebody tonight. Amen. If you want to get past the veil, all you got to do is repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me tell you again what the Bible says. 
having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh aren't you glad he yielded his flesh to be ramped so that you could come into this house and feel what you're feeling and hear what you're hearing and see what you're seeing amen because he has brought you out from the outside into the inside let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water give the Lord another high clap of praise So you may be seated. Amen. Through the veil. Let me just let me let me turn this just a little bit. Talk to you about another kind of veil. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 13, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. For the, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away. In the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. There is a veil, amen, of understanding. Praise the Lord. Amen. It seems as though uh, there are many in this world they cannot see what you see. They cannot understand. They can't comprehend what you can. There is a veil in front of their eyes. Oh, yes, there is. Praise the Lord. You can show them the book. You can read the scripture to them. You can hand them the Bible and ask them to read it for themselves. Amen. You can make them repeat after you word after word and they still can't see it. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded their minds lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine into them and they might be saved. Amen. The Bible tells me, amen, that the carnal man cannot receive the things that are of God. They are foolishness to him. They are spiritually discerned. Amen. They are looking through a veil. Amen. But Moses had been up on the mount and he had stood in the presence of God. He had communed with him face to face and unbeknownst to him amen this experience had led
Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Hey, is there anybody in this building tonight that will say, I won't go back. I won't go back. I won't go back. God has set me free. Come on now, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hey, any other way will take you back to bondage. Any other way will put the veil back up. Any other way will bring separation between you and God. Any other way will remove the glory from you. Man's way will never work. God's way has already been made. I'm talking to a people tonight that do not need the veil over the face anymore. Amen. There was a time when the light caused you to shrink back because your deeds were evil. But I'm so glad that God has drawn you to himself. And now the Bible said the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as for the spirit of the Lord. Open face, open face, beholding the glory of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, I remember that John wrote in chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a little farther down it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and we beheld his glory, and we beheld his glory. Let me tell you what beholding the glory is. It's having a revelation of who Jesus is. It's knowing who was behind the veil. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. And all these three are one. There's men that have written commentaries as long as my arm that have never been able to see past the veil. There's men that have doctorates in theology and they've never been able to look past the veil. There's men that are highly recognized in the fields of theology that have never been past the veil. But you are here tonight with an open face. 
beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And much more than this, my friend, he's the son of man. And he's coming back again. I'm not ashamed to be one God. I'm not a, I'm ashamed to preach this, just one God. Amen. There is only one God, and his name is Jesus. The veil has been taken away. why you folks get so excited about that because we're not looking through a veil anymore we're looking with an open face we're looking through the veil we see who Jesus is can I tell you something tonight I cannot fathom in fact many of you came from denominal movements amen from various religious backgrounds maybe you can help me tonight I don't know of any time any place where people shout and get happy when somebody gets up and says God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost it doesn't hardly stir a thing. There's hardly a ripple in the crowd. Amen. But I know. Amen. Because I've been there many, many times. When somebody says, One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. And Father of all. Who is above all. And through all. And in you all. Brother, we get excited about it. We're one God people. We're one God people. We're not looking through a veil. We have seen the glory of the Lord. Woo! Come on, this is still a one God church. This is still a one God camp meeting. We can take a few minutes to praise one God hear all Israel the Lord our God is one Lord come on worship him worship him worship him worship him education and move them through the veil taking children hallelujah they may not know all kinds of Greek and Hebrew and theology but they know who Jesus is they've been through the veil they've been through the veil the Bible said we're changed into the same image from glory to glory Brother, every time we come to church, it's heaven on earth. 
Oh, I know I've been in some of those other kind of services too, but for the most part, I'm not sorry for one single time that my feet have stepped within the house of the Lord. We get to see what the world can't see. We get to know what the world can't know. We get to understand what the world can't understand. We have a revelation this world doesn't have because they're still looking through the veil. Lift your hands and worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hilomo Shandalaba Katarabahaya. Kandolobo Shatarabahaka. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know we could call quits right here. Feel like we've been the church. But I'm here to talk to you. I mean, so far I've been talking mainly about him, and I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to bring this down to personal level tonight. You can be seated. Amen. If the veil, if the veil was his flesh, through the veil, which is to say his flesh, then could it not be that our flesh is in a sense a veil as well? Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, amen, you see, this veil of our flesh very plainly, amen, it is something that is covering up something else that is holy, that is sacred, just like the tabernacle veil covered the ark when it was being transported. There is something inside of us this world can't comprehend. They don't understand it. You can tell them about it, but they can't visualize it because they've never been through the veil. Amen. But we have it down inside of us. Amen. This mystery, this mystery that was hid from ages and generations, but now in these last days are revealed, is revealed, which is Christ in you. Man. They can't see it. They, they can't see it. They look at you, all they see is a fanatic. They look at you, all they see is somebody trying to be holier than thou. They look at you, all they see is some holy Joe. Amen, they got all kinds of little labels and titles because all they see is the veil. It is a covering. It is a covering. And let me remind you, if you have something sacred down inside of you, amen, you need to take care with this veil, with this covering. Remember the colors? Blue, which represents divinity or heavenliness or godliness. Hallelujah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, amen, you don't have the right to deck yourself up in whatever ornamentation 
that this world produces because your very flesh is a veil. It is a shroud. It is a covering, amen, that is containing something sacred and something holy. You don't have a right to deck yourself with jewels. You don't have a right to paint yourself up just any way you want to. You don't have a right to whack on your hair, ladies, which is your glory. This is the veil. This is the veil. This is the veil. You don't have the right to dress in whatever the latest fashions and styles are, no matter how sensual, no matter how ungodly, no matter how suggestive they might be. Amen. A homosexual in Paris does not have the right to dictate to you how to adorn your veil. We're trying to copy the Dixie Chicks and the Spice Girls and whoever else it is out there. Quit trying to pattern yourself after the loose liberal Pentecostals. Be proud. Be proud that down deep inside of you is a covenant. There is an experience. There is a relationship with God that the world didn't give to you. And the world can't take it away. And they may, might make fun of your veil because they don't understand it. But you know... What's down inside, don't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. The blue of the heavenly, of the godly, of the spiritual. Then there is the red and the crimson. Praise God. Of sacrifice. And self-denial. You see, the dye that they got, they used to achieve the crimson color in the linen back in those days came from a worm. A worm which name was Tolaf, or however you pronounce that. And it had a peculiar pigment in it. And when that worm was crushed, when that worm was crushed, that's how they got the red dye, the red pigment that they used to color the linen crimson. Amen. It is, a, it is a color of consecration, commitment, self-abasement, dedication, self-denial. Lord, I'm just a worm. Crush me. Crush me. Crush me. Crush me. Oh, it may not be, may not be pleasant, may not be an exciting part of your experience, but you're, if you're ever going to have the crimson or the veil, you've got to let him crush you. You've got to let him just get you down real low and crush you. And then the crimson begins to appear together with the blue of divinity and godliness and heavenliness. But my friend, 
when you put the blue of his godliness together with the crimson of your self-abasement. You have the purple of royalty. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises <laughs> of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And ladies and gentlemen, there's no praise and there's no worship like that which comes from somebody who has experienced the heavenly and who knows something of the crushing when they lift their hands and worship and begin to magnify God. Come on, you got to bear with me tonight. Amen, there's no praise like that. The Blackwood brothers can't do it. No, they can't. The Happy Goodmans can't do it. The Hemfields can't do it. All them other cats can't do it. Not like somebody who knows something of the blue of the heavenly, the crimson of commitment and consecration and sacrifice and the purple of royalty. When they stand in the sanctuary, not there to show off themselves, not there to make a show and a scene, but to show forth the praises of him who brought you in from outside into the Holy of Holies. Oh, come on, you got to help me tonight. Lift your hands, beloved. Hallelujah. 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 Bear with me tonight. I'm trying to hurry. But I want to impress something on you. There is something sacred. There is something holy. There is something glorious within. It is hid from view by the veil. The veil itself deserves the attention and more so that I've already given to it because it is what covers what's inside. Let me tell you what the Bible says. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now listen carefully. We are troubled on every side. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in our dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus 
might be made manifest in our body. Now, if the flesh is kind of like the veil, and we have this sacred covenant experience, relationship, this glorious thing that God has placed within us, amen, but it's hid by the veil. I'm going to tell you something that you're not probably going to enjoy hearing tonight. From time to time, God will afflict the veil so that some of the glory might come out. Uh, you see, the world can't see it because the veil covers it. And there comes a time when we are troubled, we are perplexed, we are cast down, we are persecuted, and we can't understand why. But the why is because, amen, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. I hope you're, you're understanding what I'm saying here tonight. Let me give you an illustration, if I may. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to write in the second epistle to the Corinthians. He starts out like he's writing about somebody else, and I know we might div be divided on opinion here, but, but it, after a while it becomes very apparent he, he is now talking about himself. Whether he started out talking about somebody else, he ends up talking about himself. I personally feel he was talking about himself all along. I knew a man in Christ once, and such a man was caught up into the third heaven, and he was even taken up into paradise. And there he heard unspeakable words that were not lawful to be uttered. Oh man, what an experience. What a glorious experience. Hallelujah. Praise God. But then he goes on to say, and because of the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Whatever the thorn was is immaterial at this moment. The fact is that God permitted something, whether a disease, whether an entity, whether a spirit, whatever it was, he permitted something to afflict him. And the affliction wasn't pleasurable and it wasn't enjoyable and because of that he sought the Lord thrice that it might depart from him. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when Paul got a revelation of this, this is what he said. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. That, and he went on to say, also to take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and in necessities and persecutions and in distresses for Christ's sake. And he said that the power of Christ might rest upon me. And when you look up the word rest there, it literally means tabernacle over me. That the glory of Christ might rest or tabernacle or cover over me. 
Now, in case anything I've been saying right now doesn't make any sense, or it feels out of joint with everything I've said before, let me try to put it this way. Have you ever seen what happens to a true blue child of God who begins to be afflicted? Sickness comes, disease, all kinds of trials and tribulations. And after a while, brother, they're just being buffeted from this side and buffeted from that side. Amen. You know what's going to happen when they come into the house of God? Some of the glory is going to start shining through. Brother, when they stand up to testify, they don't have sad stories to tell. They're not trying, amen, for get somebody to feel sorry for them. They're not looking for a pity party. They're standing to their feet, and every word that comes out of their mouth is betraying the glory of God. Ask them up to sing. Amen. They may not be able to sing and do all the vocal calisthenics that some can, but there's going to be an anointing. There's going to be a power. There's going to be a glory. There's going to be a radiance. The veil has been afflicted. The veil has been ripped. The veil has been torn. And the glory is shining. Get an elderly preacher up to preach who has been through a hell and a high water, who has fought devils and demons, who's been through every kind of church difficulty that you can imagine, who has spent countless hours in prayer, who has walked the floors in the middle of the night, amen, who has gone through family trouble, who's gone through church trouble, who's gone through inner torment and fear until his veil has been so afflicted. Let him get up to preach, brother. It may not be real homiletically perfect, but something's going to happen. Because when the veil is rent, the glory comes out. shouldn't do this but let me let me use just a quick example here my own father has been through my god i don't even know how he keeps his sanity the last five or six years it seems like the enemy has afflicted him in every way that you can imagine every way that you can imagine amen i don't know how he keeps going i really don't i really don't it's been church trouble it's been family trouble and now just a couple of months ago, he suffered what appears to have been a heart attack. Refuses to let the doctors do anything. He said, I'm in the hands of God at this point. Not that he's against them. He just has just chosen to throw himself in the hands of God. I don't know how he keeps functioning. And I wish I was there to take care of him, but I'm not. And, and, I, and yet I have been there on occasion. And I have visited him, and when he has visited me, literally this is the truth. You don't have to believe it. But at all hours of the day and night, when we are not personally involved in something, he is either sitting in his chair in the living room or sitting up in his bedroom. I can hear him in there. And he is praying in a conversational tone by the literal hours. All through the days and all through the nights with a Bible laying on his lap, praying, 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 praying. And the veil 
has been rent and the veil has been torn and the veil has been buffeted and the veil has been afflicted. Let me tell you what happened just last weekend. Brother Uncle, Brother Don LVR, older than Brother Raul LVR, and the father of Brother Justin, who's here, has made acquaintance in the past several years with a man who is a high-ranking official in the Brazilian government, has held numerous offices in high position, has been witnessing to him about the oneness of the Godhead in Jesus' name, baptism. This man is also a high-ranking official in the Baptist organization in the country of Brazil. He didn't reject it out of hand, but he just couldn't see it. He just couldn't see it, just couldn't see it. And they had some business to travel together, and so he said, he made it known, he said, I want to, if possible, make a swing by California and visit your brother, Reverend Juan LVR. And so just last weekend, they passed through there. He wanted to talk to him about Jesus' name, baptism. Amen. He's finally there in his living room. My dad knows that at some point or another they're going to talk about it, but he didn't know the man was ready. He was, in fact, reaching over to pick up a telephone to make a phone call about something, and the man asked him the important question. He set the phone back down and turned and began to speak to him, and in ten minutes the man fell out of his seat onto his knees, speaking in other tongues and said, baptize me in Jesus' name. The veil had been so rent that the glory of God shone easily through. Amen. They took him the next day to the church house and baptized him in Jesus' name. And after he had dried himself off, Amen. My father asked him to make a statement because he had to interpret. And he said, in this service, while the people were worshiping, the Lord gave me a vision. And it was a vision of Reverend LVR handing me a key. And I was turning around and sticking it in every door that was around me. And it was fitting every lock. And that key was the name of Jesus. like the tests and trials child of God you might chafe at affliction at torment and tribulation you may not understand it you may ask it to depart but all sometimes God is letting happen is just the veil to be afflicted until the glory begins to burst through Let me tell you something. We've got something precious. We've got something marvelous. We've got something awesome. Amen. It's contained. It's contained within. The Bible also puts it this way. Which hope we have, both sure and steadfast, that entereth into that within the veil. 
You wonder how sometimes folks can make it. You wonder how sometimes they can keep carrying on. Everything in the world is against them. Amen. They lose jobs. They lose homes. They lose cars. And their attitude stays good. Their spirit stays right. They're still enthused. They're not going to backslide. They're faithful to the house of God because there is a hope within the veil. can remain standing on closing. In closing, let me speak to you about this veil of sorrow. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God and house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up. Another place Paul said, I'd like to stay with you, but I would rather be absent. Just to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We can never get shed of this veil. You've been to the bedside of saints of God that on their deathbed and the veil is worn completely out the robes. It's just lying there and it's rent and it's tattered. But oh, when you step into the room, you can feel the glory of God. They tell me, historians say if they know anything about it, Paul was in prison. He said, the time, I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. Finished the course. I kept the contacts intact for the Lord. Amen. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I think about your day. strokes one after another after another after another sugar diabetes and everything else in a wheelchair can hardly eat good is ashamed and embarrassed because food dribbles out of his mouth the veil is so ripped off but you can still feel something around that man They say that they say that when they brought Paul out of his prison cell that day to take him to the chopping block, 
that he tore himself free of his guards and ran. And he ran. himself down I don't know this I don't know this because obviously he couldn't write about it later but I just have this feeling that when Paul stepped out of that prison house and looked at that chopping block he saw what no other man could see his Lord and Master standing there waiting for him You don't have to believe that, but I can show you where while Stephen was being stoned and his veil was being crushed and rent, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the Lord, the glory of God. And he started speaking of it. I see him. I see him. So infuriated them, they ran on him and gnashed on him with their teeth, but it didn't matter. The purpose of the veil had been served. Brother Lambeth, I don't even think that Paul even felt as his head rolled from his shoulders. All he knew was he knelt, and then he felt arms lifting him up. And away they went. Through the veil through the veil oh I'm gonna quit but I've often wondered what happens at that moment at that moment I stood by the bedside of a young man married, had married a young girl in my church I performed the wedding he was in a terrible accident the Sitco Petroleum Plant and and sulfur and he was burnt 95% of his body oh it was horrible I won't even describe to you how horrendous it was he lived for one day I went to see him in the hospital he was barely recognizable as human his head inflated and swollen he went on and on skin charred black I bent over and I whispered in his ear I said David do you know who this is this is Brother Alvin his eyes had been sealed shut. There were long moments when there was no response. But then he nodded his head. I said, are you in any pain? He shook his head no. I said, David, you are shortly going to pass from this life. Now that may not have been what you would have said, but I said, is everything okay between you and he nodded his head yes. And I'm going to tell you something. I literally could feel the hair standing on the back of my neck. It was as though the angelic presence of God was in that room. Here's the beauty of it. <laughs> Here's the beauty of it. I had opportunity later on to read the paramedics report of the paramedics that found him when they reached the scene. He had been blown completely out of the plant over a fence and down into a ditch and he was there, all his clothes burnt off. 
Several other men were killed instantly. I think several were completely incinerated. They never found a trace of them. It was a horrible, horrible accident. I read this in the paramedics report. That when he loaded him into the ambulance, this was before the swelling had set in to the point where he could not talk. Alternately between asking about his wife, it was in the paramedics report, he kept speaking loudly in words I could not understand. You can afflict the veil, but the glory is going to come out. The glory is going to come out. I've asked Brother Lawler, can you do it, brother? Can you sing that song again? Please sing it again. I want us to worship while Brother Lawler sings this song again. Hallelujah. Anybody want to make it through this veil?